Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. We've been working through the book of Acts and been talking about how God was overcoming every barrier, every barrier, whatever it was, to demonstrate the triumph of the gospel. The gospel just kept going. No matter who threatened it, no matter what was coming against it, whether it was external or internal, the gospel of Christ just continued on. That was the power of God's message, Christ's message. It was the power of the message of the cross, the message of the resurrection, the message of salvation and forgiveness. It just continued to go across the globe to expand. But you know, even in that expansion, even in some of the most exciting days of the church's life, we still see issues. We still see conflict within the church. In Acts chapter 15, a few weeks ago, we talked about how um, there we see a reason to fight, a reason to have strife. I mean, really, there are a few, very few reasons within a church's life to have conflict. One would be, as you would see in Acts chapter 15 in those earlier verses, it would be over doctrine, especially the doctrine of salvation. Remember, those individuals had come down uh, and they had begun to teach that you had to follow the law in order to maintain your salvation. You had to be circumcised in order to be saved. And they threatened the very message of the gospel. And that brought conflict. That was necessary conflict to, to clarify the message that was to be preached and the message that was to go out from the early church. Well, later in this chapter, you see two of the greatest missionaries of all time, two of the greatest missionaries, Paul and Barnabas, also enter into a time of conflict, conflict that probably could have been avoided, but they enter into intense conflict. I want you to see this this afternoon, Acts 15, beginning in verse 36. It says, then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. A few weeks ago, I said to you that the Bible is filled with real people. And you don't get any more real than this passage. There are times you look at the scripture and you think to yourself, now, if I were writing that, I probably would have left that event out. I mean, of all the things that Dr. Luke could have told us, why in the world would he include here a conflict between Barnabas and Paul? Look, biographers today, especially those who would be authorized biographers today, would make sure that they had cleaned up such events, right? They would have sanitized them. They would have left them at least out of the official biography. But God reminds us, as he includes these stories, he, includes, he reminds us that even these great missionaries were flesh and blood. Even these great heroes had their own weaknesses and their own conflicts. Now, notice here 
with the conflict is over. It says that they're back. They've been in Antioch. They've been teaching and preaching. They had returned from that first trip that they had made. They had enjoyed going out and planting all kinds of churches and taking the gospel. And then in verse 36, it says, After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's visit our brethren. Let's visit those churches. Let's see how things are going. Let's greet them. Let's just go back. Barnabas, well, he says, sounds like a great idea, Paul. I think it would be wonderful for us to go back just as long as we don't take John Mark with us. And Paul said, hold on just a minute. Barnabas, you just insisted that John Mark would be a part of our team. Barnabas says, yes, absolutely. Paul said, but uh, don't you remember now? I, I, now, Barnabas, I know you're the encourager, and I know, you know your giftedness is not always in these, um, well, remembering kind of things. Because if I remember right, on the last trip, we were going around preaching, and we were making the gospel known to all people, and John Mark left us. He departed. He left us in the midst of the mission. Barnabas said, oh, I remember that, Paul. I remember that rather well. But we're taking John Mark with us. And a debate, a conflict occurs between these two great missionaries. Indeed, if you look at verse 37, it says, now Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark. Verse 38 says, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia. Those verbs are in this ongoing action. In other words, Barnabas kept insisting, kept determined in his life. He kept saying, we are taking John Mark. And Paul kept insisting over and over, we're not taking John Mark. Can you imagine this? You can imagine it in today's churches, huh? I mean, such, such a conflict. Later on in verse 39, it says, the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. Sharp, as in the idea of the sharpening of a knife. And I'm sure you could have cut the tension between these two missionaries. Each one believed that he was right. You know, in our churches today, we have many opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom. But in making a difference for the kingdom, we also have those moments where we disagree. And a lot of times in those moments... Contention will arise. Now, I've been in the Baptist church basically nine months before I was born. Basically, I've been in a Baptist church. I've grown up in the Baptist church. I've enjoyed the heritage that God has granted me through so many individuals who invested in my life. I've been committed to the church, 
not just the Baptist church, but I think the church of the Lord Jesus. I've tried to be committed to the church. But I'll admit to you, the church is one of the messiest places that a person can find himself. Would you agree? You know why? Because we're messy people. You're messy. We are messy people. We are sinful people. Now, we're saved by the grace of God. But listen, none of us have reached a state of perfection yet. And all of us, even though we're in the process of growth, all of us still struggle with weaknesses in our lives and personalities. And because of that, we can experience conflict within the church. I can share with you more than I could ever begin to name tonight here in this place of the conflict that I've seen. As a matter of fact, when I was in high school, when I was in high school, I reached this moment in my life. I was leading music at uh, Blue Springs Baptist Church. Uh, Some people think that means that I'm gifted in music. It doesn't. It just means that I was loud. And I could carry the congregation a little bit. And they needed somebody to carry them. Even though they, didn't, they weren't always carried to the right place. They were carried by my volume. And I remember as a high school student seeing the, the realism of the church. Especially as it confronted my idealism. And it challenged me. I really do believe I reached a crisis point where I had to decide whether I would become better or whether I would become bitter with the church and with the people of God. Now, obviously, I chose to remain among God's people. I think it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. And also, it made me stronger in my faith as I would continue to grow. But people disagree. And sometimes we disagree over things that, well, very frankly, it doesn't really matter over who's right and who's wrong in that case, does it? Now, there are certainly those moments, I said a moment ago, that those doctrinal issues that we ought to stand for. But there are so many issues we disagree in our churches over today that have nothing to do with whether or not you affirm this doctrine or that doctrine. Take, for example, this conflict. Can you imagine, can you imagine the way Paul and Barnabas could have argued from Scripture? I mean, really, both of them could have taken different scriptures they could have looked at the proverbs they could have looked they could have taken all kinds of scriptures and they could have used it to justify their decision but really was there anything that was clear-cut in what they had known and got in in christ's presentation in his message that would have clearly said don't take john mark or take john mark it's more a matter of perspective And you know what? If we were really to poll different ones in this place, we would have probably been about 50-50. Many of us would have been on Barnabas' side. Many of us would have been on Paul's side. Because can't you see the argument either way? I mean, John Mark did leave the team. We're not told why. We're not told why 
at all. Maybe he just got homesick. Maybe um, he was afraid. Maybe he just said, I'm not cut out for this right now. We're not really told why he left the team. But Barnabas comes and Barnabas says, we ought to give him another shot. Give him a second chance. Well, that doesn't surprise you from Barnabas for basically two reasons. One, Barnabas is the encourager. Encourager. So you have a feeling he's always going to give somebody a second chance, the encourager. And he's especially going to give his cousin a second chance. Have you forgotten that? John Mark was his cousin, according to Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. It's his cousin. So blood, blood's pretty thick. So Barnabas was already leaning toward, I think, giving him a chance, but especially when it's your cousin. Many of you, you probably could have agreed with that. Give him another shot. Give him a, Some of you, you have that compassionate heart. And you just say, give him another shot. Especially, Paul, come on, Paul. How many shots have you had? And hasn't Barnabas been there for you? Wasn't Barnabas the one who encouraged you to come back into the church and to leadership? But before you take Barnabas aside too quickly, again, remember John Mark left. And Paul, he was thinking more about the mission than he was the man. See, Barnabas was on the man. He wanted to make sure he was developing John Mark and John Mark's part of... But Paul, he wants to make sure that they have a successful mission. So Paul's like, look, we get out there, we're preaching, we have a mission. He leaves us again. It could leave us in a bad situation. And he's already proven he would do it. And some of you say, well, I'm not buying that argument. Oh, yes, you would. How many would you, of you would say, I'll loan you some more money after they didn't pay you back the first time? So you thought you were compassionate. But you, now you say, I'm sensible. I'm sensible. You got to use some wisdom here. How many of you, when you've been burned once, line up, get in the front of the line and say, I want to be burned, or at least I want to risk be, be, being burned twice. So don't, don't just think that you're going to go to Barnabas' side or that you would have taken his side. Understand that Paul had his perspective as well. Both pretty good perspectives. Again, if you were there that day, they probably could have used their scriptures, different kinds of scriptures that would have affirmed their place. But it says that a contention erupted between them and that it was so sharp that it separated them. That it separated them. And as far as we know, Barnabas and Paul never come back together again. I think that's kind of sad. I do. I think it's kind of sad that they never came back together again as far as we know. Great missionaries. But missionaries who contend 
with one another. May I say to you a few things here? One, conflict's going to come in the church. It's going to come. You got me? It's going to come in the church. Now, I don't look for it, and I don't pray for it to come, that is. I just enjoy when God grants peace. I'm enjoying things right now. But conflict will come. Why? As I said earlier, all of us still have fallen short of the glory of God. And as long as people are involved in the church, conflict is going to occur. I heard one preacher once say, ministry would be so much easier if it weren't for people. But there would be no ministry if it were not for people. Conflict will come. We need to understand that. We don't need to give up. We don't need to give up too easily. We don't need to allow relationships to be ruptured so easily. I used to have those that were members of my staff at one point in my life that would talk about how disappointed they were in people and how they couldn't believe that certain ones acted this way and others acted a certain way. And I mean, you could just hear the negativity in their heart and their life. One day I challenged them. I said, you know, remember just a moment that Jesus himself, Jesus himself put up with a kind of a ragged group of individuals he called disciples. And they let him down a lot. And you know what? Even before he was to face the cross, the night before, what were they doing? Arguing over who was the greatest. The night before. Now, you and I, we would have grown so tired at that point, and we would have, re- we would have just given them over and said, God, you just do with them as you will. I- I'm out of this. I can't handle this. But Jesus did not do that. The very next day, Jesus would submit himself to the death of the cross. For those disciples who were arguing, for the disciples that would follow that would argue, for all of us who have fallen short of the glory of God. And if Jesus is willing to do that because he loves his people so much, so should we. And so should we allow those relationships to be repaired, so should we allow those relationships to advance instead of being separated. Again, I remember, I remember a few years ago, one of the great challenges, issues of the moment for the church that I was serving. That great challenge and issue of the moment whether or not this three-year-old little boy could go into four-year-old choir on Wednesday night. Now, you understand the nuances of all this, okay? There was a three-year-old little boy that wanted to go into choir, four-year-old choir. But the problem was, the way we used, the the way we had set things up is that you moved according to the way you moved at school. So like September, isn't it September is like the date 
when you kind of advance. So he used the month of September. His birthday was within like four days of that date. But he was told he couldn't go in the four-year-old choir, to which I was promptly put on notice. An emergency staff meeting was called. I kid you not. An emergency staff meeting was called, to which we discussed for about three hours whether or not the child should go in there or the child should not go in there. I was much younger then. I had a lot more hair then. I don't think I had as much wisdom. We talked about it, and we decided maybe what we need to do is create another choir to be able to provide opportunities for these children. Because my child had been in a similar situation, and we had seen that as well. Of course, we had not raised the alarm, but we had understood that. So we decided that we would try to create a new choir So I called, promptly called, the grandmother that was the spokesman, dear friend of mine. And I began to tell her of our decision. To which she responded in a less than positive way. Never forget that. I went back to my staff. I said, you know what? I know we took three hours to think this through the other day. It's not worth it. This is not worth it. Not at all. So I called my director of those choirs, those who had been enforcing the policy and procedures of our church. And I said, this is not worth it. Let the little boy go into that choir. Well, she was less than positive. I remember I was on my way to Houston to a hospital to make a visit, had a deacon with me. And I remember sitting there for about 30 minutes listening to the reasons that we should not have made the decision we had. I also remember uh, that individual was of some uh, leadership capacity within the church. And I also remember uh, being told that Because of this, there would be some policies that I favored that would not pass when the influence was used. Thank God those days passed. But I thought to myself, and I look back at it now, why does it matter? Can't can't there be, I I can see either side, and you could see either side here, but, but couldn't they have come to some kind of perspective of one another? Couldn't we have tried to decide or understand for one another what was going on? Couldn't we have, couldn't we have reached a compromise? I mean, couldn't we have reached a compromise on one way or the other with John Mark? I mean, Barnabas, couldn't if he, couldn't he say, look, look, Paul, uh, you got a second chance let, let's let's do something. For example, let's give him a job here in Antioch and let him demonstrate himself again before he goes. Or, or maybe if Paul would have Paul would have said something along those same lines, there could have been a compromise. But here, there's none. There's none. My friends, we have to remember to major on the majors and to minor 
on the miners. Because there is too much work to be done for the kingdom of God than for us to sit around for three hours and talk about whether a child should go to this class or that class. There's too much at risk. As I said this morning, there are too many cities, there are too many communities, there are too many families that are broken, that we should be using our energy and we should be using our purpose and our plans to address than worried about such kind of conflict. Well, I am proud of this, though. God's greater than our failures. God's greater than our conflicts. He is. I don't think that this was ever envisioned necessarily by God as far as purpose. or, or I, I don't think he ordained this event, but get this. God used it. Remember the Romans 8.28 passage? Where God has the ability to take all things and work them together for the good. Those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Get this. Verse 39. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed. Being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. So it says Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. It said Paul got Silas. And they went up to Syria and Cilicia. Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite writers and preachers, he said, only God can do this. Only God could divide and bring multiplication. Only God can do that. There's division, or at least only God can take division and bring multiplication out of it. I don't think necessarily ever intended for the two to split, But what God did was he took the division and he multiplied the teams. Beforehand, we had one, and now we have two. I mean, can you imagine? The dream team, of course, was Paul and Barnabas. But hey, who wouldn't take these missionary teams? A Barnabas and Mark? Paul and Silas? And get this. If you look at your maps, it says that one team, Barnabas, Mark, well, they sailed southwest. Paul, Silas, they go north. So what God is doing, he is multiplying the mission teams. And he is sending them in totally different directions. So that even through human failure... God's message, His Word, is still being proclaimed. That's the God we serve. And later on, yes, I know, later on, Paul will pen his last letter, the letter of 2 Timothy, the last letter we have, a letter when he's facing death itself, when he communicates in such a way. In his closing, ver- in the closing words, he'll say something like this. Only Luke is with me now. But get Mark. Bring him with you. For he is useful to me for ministry. You see, even later on, 
whether or not Paul and Barnabas ever reconciled, we know that Paul swallowed a little pride. And that's hard to do that. But Paul recognized that God had used Mark. And he said, have him come see me. I'd like to see him. For he's useful to the ministry. Oh, he'll be useful. He'll write one of our four Gospels. He'll do that. Because get this again. God is greater. Whether it's multiplying the mission teams. Whether it's growing a young man who had made a mistake. God is greater. And I say to you again. God is greater than us. In our human failures. Our contentions. Our conflicts. God is so much greater. And thanks be to him for that. Because God still wants to achieve his mission and his ministry. And he still wants his gospel to go forth. God is one that can certainly make straight licks with the crooked sticks. You and I, God can still take his gospel and make a difference. May we celebrate that tonight. And may we commit ourselves, may we commit ourselves to majoring on that which is really important. And minor on those things that are so much less important as we follow him. Let's pray. Father, we do praise you tonight. That God, you are the one who brings unity. You unify us in mind and heart and spirit. And God, I pray you'd continue to do that here with our temple family. God, I pray you'd build a hedge, a protection around us. And God, when Satan tries to target us and Lord, bring us into conflict, Lord, you would remind us of the purpose of the mission you've given us. Father, I pray we'd rally around that. And God, that we'd be willing to disagree without being disagreeable. God, I thank you for my family. I thank you for this church. And I pray you continue to use us. Even when we fail you. God, we pray that you would show yourself strong. Redeeming that moment and that opportunity. So that people could come to a saving knowledge of you. And Lord, we love you here in this place tonight. We pray you continue to affirm us. That you continue to lead us. That you will continue to give us wisdom and discernment. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we have this hymn of invitation? Would you come? Maybe it's just to pray. Maybe it's just to follow the Lord in a decision. You come as we have this moment of invitation.